You're listening to On the Road Again, a road trip through the Bible, with Todd Selow and Zach Bechtel. Now let's hit the road. I just can't wait to get on the road again. Life I love is making music with my friends. And I can't wait to get on the road again. Well, hey, everybody. Welcome to the Exile Podcast on the Road Again, brought to you by Coca-Cola. <laughs> <laughs> we, have a, we have a big sponsorship. Why not? Uh, Gil, we have um, Gil Flores here, and um, we're going to talk today about the, the Tower of Babel. And I thought um, Gil is the, is the most um, best bilingual person I know, so I thought he'd be a perfect person for us to, to have on here. Uh, he speaks English better than me, and he definitely speaks Spanish um, way, way better than me. And so um, Gil's awesome. So do you, can you introduce yourself? Just tell us a little bit about what you do, Gil. And, and um, For sure. Yeah. Gil and I have another um, podcast on the this Exile um, network of podcasts, too. Um, but go ahead, Gil. Sorry. Yeah. Thank you, Todd. Thank you, Todd, for inviting me. Zach, thank you for having me on as well. <clears throat> my, name, my name is Gil Flores. I work at a couple of Methodist churches here in Albuquerque. I work for Asbury United Methodist Church, and I'm the lay pastor in charge of the contemporary worship service here and it's called Acts 2. And then I also work for St. John's United Methodist Church here in town, and I do the music for their contemporary service, and that's called Abide. Uh, I'm from Guadalajara, Mexico. Uh, that's where I was born. My, a lot of my family is still there. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm an immigrant, uh, native Spanish speaker, and uh, I'm, I'm a Methodist because Todd rescued me. I was not going to church anywhere when, when Todd met me, and Todd rescued me, and uh, yeah, so I'm a, I'm I'm Todd's rescue rescue cat, you know. <laughs> and Gil rescues me from all sorts of things too. So we're we're we've been good friends for a long time, and um, colleagues, and we work together. And Gil's a great musician, great preacher. Um, and this is this is a this is an important conversation and and I um I want to get right into it here um Gil has important important work to do so we're gonna we're gonna let him go here in a little while but I want to get his input on on some of this stuff um first and so um I'm gonna read from Genesis chapter 11 we can get right into it here and um and then and then talk about a couple things um, Genesis 11, starting in verse 1, now the whole earth had one language in the same words. And as they migrated from the east, they came upon a plain in the land of Shinar and settled there. And they said to one another, come, let us make bricks and burn them thoroughly. And they had brick for stone and bitumen for mortar. And then they said, come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower with its top in the heavens. And let us make a name for ourselves. Otherwise, we'll be scattered abroad upon the face of the whole earth. I'm going to stop there for just a second. Um, what are you guys' thoughts of, about this? Um, what, what, what kind of things um, come, come to your mind um, when, when we start to read this story? Well, I, as somebody who has migrated from one place to another, I, I understand the proclivity of people who maybe are nomadic to maybe have one sent to like, okay, we want to call this place our home. Yeah. So that's a very human proclivity, right? It's not, I don't know that that's bad or good. It just, it is what it is, right? But the people wanna have, they wanna have a place they call their home. And then there's also this built-in 
thing in the human DNA to want to reach out for something higher than, than, what's, than what we see here? You see it across cultures. Everybody has some, every culture in the world, or most every culture, I think, has some concept of God or the divine or the afterlife or something beyond <clears throat> this existence. So right away, I'm identifying right away with these people who built this tower. They, they wanted a place to call their own. They wanted a landmark. We like landmarks. We like knowing we built that, you know, um, and yeah. So th those are the ideas that are coming to my head immediately. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's interesting that you bring up the, the nomadic nature of it. Um, being a Methodist pastor, we're fairly, fairly nomadic, uh, mm -hmm. the itinerant system moving around. Um, and especially, uh, and I know Todd probably identifies with that as well, but uh, for my family, we're, we're not even, we grew up in Texas, you know, and, and that is really no longer home. Uh, we no longer identify with, uh, with that being our home place and really feel that nomadic lifestyle of where is it now? Uh, and every time we, we move, uh, we always have the conversation of, is this it? Is this where we begin to place down roots and that no matter where we go from here, is this the place we come back to? Um, yeah, I, it's definitely, definitely in that human experience of we need a place or a monument or something that says we're home. Yeah, well, and we're, and we're pretty hard on the Tower of Babel folks. Um, and so I think it's good to defend them a little bit and um and 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 identify with that because it's really like it's really i i've listened to a lot of sermons i've given a lot of sermons it's really easy to try to identify with the good guys or the heroes in the stories but more times than not um we can we should be able to see ourselves in the other um person too if we're really honest and i think that's really important is to see is to see not that these are bad people but these are people that are a lot like us um len sweet tells a story about a, a methodist pastor that um, every time he would go to a church, he would buy a grave plot there, and he would say, like, basically simple, symbolic, what's the word, um, symbolically, um, that I, like, I'm gonna die here, so I'm gonna, so you don't have to worry about me bailing on y'all, I'm gonna die here, and then whenever they moved him, he would sell it, and then buy one in the next time, but, but that it meant something to, to not just the people, and I always thought that was a story about telling the people, I'm gonna be here for you, but really, um, that might very well be a story of, of him um, really putting his mind that he's going to be very present in that place too. And so um, that's not where, that's not where I think, I think it's, it's good to see the, the humanity in, in this part of the story. Um, I'm, I'm, we'll, we'll come back to this um, a little later, but I'm going to, I'm going to go on a little bit. Um, the Lord came down to see the city and the tower, which mortals had built and the Lord said, look, they are one people and they have all one language. And this is only the beginning of what they will do. Nothing they propose will be now impossible for them. Come, let us go down and confuse their language there so they will not understand one another's speech. So the Lord scattered them abroad from there over the face of all the earth and they left off building the city. Therefore, it was called Babel because the Lord confused the language of all the earth. From there, the Lord scattered them abroad over the face of all the earth. Um, Gil, Gil uh, is a pastor um, and does the music for a church called Acts 2 um, and that's where I used to work there with him and we used to do that together um, where Acts 2 is kind of the um, undoing of this story in my mind um, where 
God separates their languages and then um, in Acts 2, everyone hears the apostles teaching in their own language. And so it's all, it's like a reversal, which in Hebrew literature is, is how it works. And it's very common for things to, to get done for a reason then get undone um, for another reason. And, and um, the idea of redemption has a lot to do with that. But um, this is really, you know, Gil came, why don't you, why don't you tell just a little bit about coming to, to the United States for the first time, Gil, and um, how, how easy it was like to learn English. <laughs> yeah, it was a culture shock for sure. Um, one of the things that happened uh, when I was, I don't know, around late, late teens, early 20s, I, I was learning English. I was in United States learning English and um, I went on tour with this black gospel group from California through the South, right? We, we, flew, in from, <laughs> we flew in from California to Houston and then we took a bus from Houston to Jacksonville, Florida all summer stopping along the way. <clears throat> so you can imagine, I'm trying to learn English then I'm exposed to this whole other form of English in the South. <laughs> Louisiana Cajun English, uh, you know, Alabama English, Tennessee English, Florida English, right? <laughs> uh, yeah, and then, I um, mean, you know, so just being bombarded, like, I mean, and so I think that language is also shorthand um, for culture, right? Um, it's a shorthand for, there's, there's an implication beyond just spoken things to, Language also means cultures and norms and, you know, uh, like in the Bible, when it says, you know, people of all tribes and tongues, I think that's, you know, so it's talking about like, so when, when somebody's of another tongue, it's also implying that there's, they also have this whole, a whole other way of being, right, that I think that comes along with speaking a new tongue. Um, and I think and that ties into to, to, to Acts, Acts 2 as well, right? You're speaking these tongues and that also, there's an implication of this new way of being that God is bringing to the world, right? So we can talk about that if we want to. <clears throat> but uh, yeah, so yeah, so I found out about, about this whole new way of being. In the South, I remember uh, people would always, they would tell us, we eat three meats with every meal. They would tell us, right? <laughs> we, you know, uh, you, know, uh, you know, pork, some kind of pork, uh, beef and chicken or fish or whatever, right? So I was like, wow, that's just a lot of food. You know? <laughs> and, uh, and, this, uh, and this thing that they called sweet Thai. It's not sweet tea, it's sweet Thai, right? right? <laughs> And it's this, you know, I, in Mexico, we didn't have sweet tea. We didn't have iced tea. It was, tea was a hot drink. You know, that you drink. So when they told me about tea, I thought it was this hot drink. You know, then I went to a place called the, the, crackle, the Cracker Barrel where they served us <laughs> this cold, super sweet drink, you know, but it was really, it was, it was delicious, you know. And so it was just this, this whole thing of learning new, new, uh, new languages, but also new ways of being, right? New ways of being in the world. And uh, yeah, so that for sure. Yeah, that's that's awesome. Those are you have the greatest stories, man. That's that's really funny. I um, in respect to um, like the it's interesting to me that that God. First of all, he's concerned that okay, now they're going to be able to do anything, and so God could have stopped them in any like he could have broken all their legs like mafia style, like he could have like he could have God well God could have done anything that God wanted to do um, to stop them from doing it, um, but the thing that God chose was to confuse their language, and and that's super interesting to me. Uh, do you have any like insights about that, Gil? While while you're while you're here. Um, well, how important is language, like when it comes to building something, you know, especially when you went on the road with this group, 
like you know and in other any any other ways you can think of too but that had to be um really really difficult music is kind of a language of its own maybe so maybe yeah. maybe a little bit but so i always I, I say this all the time that language is everything but it's also nothing right language is everything but it's nothing and this is what i mean by that so language so <clears throat> i've often said that like when i'm having a, a conversation with people one of my pet peeves is, is when somebody gets hung up on language like what they call something and, the, and their inability to, to see the idea behind the term to, which to me is always more important like what's the idea behind the term more than the term itself so in that sense, like language is arbitrary, but language is also everything, right? It's, 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 it's both nothing and it's everything, um, if that makes any sense. So in some ways, like for example, like the word Christ, that's just the English word that we use for this source, this energy, this a spirit that, that John 1, Ephesians 1, Colossians 1, Hebrews 1, 1 John chapter 1, all say that existed before that before the time, right? And that put everything into existence. So we call it the Christ. However, if somebody calls it something else, I'm not hung up on that because at the end of the day, that's just English. However, right, as a musician or as a preacher, that the way that you word something is also everything, right? So it's also, so, so it can be nothing, but it's also everything. So yeah, so I, I agree with you that, that um, the confusion of languages in that passage is interesting because it kept them from what they were trying to do but I think that more than, I want to think that in my opinion, more than keeping them from what they were trying to do, it was God or the spirit or whatever you want to call it, trying to say, no, don't centralize, scatter, scatter. And it was like the beginning of diversity, right? Like, let, let's now be like a bunch of different things instead of all being one thing. And so it's God like almost pushing, pushing away and breaking people away from homogenous uh, expressions into like a very... Um, multi-colored and multi-lingual and multi-faceted expressions of what God could be. So yeah, those are my thoughts immediately. Yeah. That, no, that's really good. And um, one last thing I, I know, Gil's very famous and he has to, he has press waiting for him outside. And so he has to, he has to, to go appease them. But um, one, one last question uh, about that is for you, Gil, before, before you go. Um, like this idea, I, I kind of feel like God didn't make them stop doing this. God didn't force them to, like God didn't break their legs or their arms, right? God didn't enforce, but God confused their language and they've never been around anyone that spoke in another language, I assume, um, only in the 11th chapter of Genesis. There's at least no really other um, stories about that. So but for the first time, they just can't understand each other and they don't stop because they have to, but they don't know how to negotiate and navigate this idea of um, speaking other languages. Have you, have you, does that resonate with your experience or have you had experiences where language has been a, has been a problem like that? Because they, like I didn't make them stop, but they couldn't go on because they couldn't figure out how to get around language things. Yeah. So I think, yeah. So to me, that, that talks to me about communication, right? Uh, um, and yeah, and that's interesting that they couldn't figure out a way to continue what they were doing because now their speaking was different. Right. And I think of like the musicians that I, that I've worked with, for example, I played in, in a, in a Latin band, right. It was all Spanish uh, music, but the drummer in the band was a black, an American black guy, right. Who didn't speak any Spanish. Right. 
but because we spoke the, the language of music, as you alluded earlier, we were able to make music together. So maybe sometimes for us, maybe so the spoken language is a bigger limitation than we make it to be. And maybe this story is a good illustration that maybe um, we, make the, we make the spoken language an unnecessary barrier. Um, and maybe for the story it had to be, you know, I, I don't know. Because uh, I kind of, you know, whether the story really happened or not in, in real time, it, that doesn't really matter to me. It's more than, why did it matter to the people of Israel that they kept the story in their, in their, um, in their culture, in their zeitgeist, you know, why, why did it matter to them? So to me, it's like, so I'm thinking like, um, is this story some, somehow like teaching us that maybe we make language, like the spoken language, more important than it needs to be because I've been in plenty of situations where um, uh, people didn't speak the same language, but they were still able to communicate. You know, I think famously, I lived in California for a long time and I was a fan of the Warriors when I lived out there. And during the, during the uh, early nineties, they had a guard named Sirunas Marshallonis. Uh, uh, I think he was Ukrainian, if I'm not mistaken, might've been Russian. But Don, Don Nelson, the coach of the Warriors, famously says, he was, I don't care what he speaks, as long as he speaks basketball. I don't care what he speaks. <laughs> um, as long as he can play basketball and, he, and he's able to communicate on the court and know what's happening, that's all that matters. And so maybe this is, an, this is maybe an invitation for us, maybe indirectly about how communication should be more than language. And maybe, maybe that it speaks to how, how we give this unnecessary importance to language that maybe it shouldn't have, maybe. Yeah. Oh, that's really good insight, man. That's really good. Yeah, I appreciate you being here with us, and I and I appreciate your time, and um, I appreciate all that you're doing, man, for for everybody and um, with us here at Exile. And I'm just really, um, really happy that you could come and share some of that. And we'll do this again soon, man. Absolutely. Hey, guys, I'm so sorry. I, I hate to c cut out with you. I have I have a little girl waiting for me at at uh, at a at a preschool, and they charge me five dollars. $20 for every five minutes I'm late. So. Oh, dang, man. <laughs> well, that's where you need to be. Thanks for being with us. <laughs> Thank you, Zach. Yeah. Good to meet you. Good to meet you through Zoom, for Zach. Sure. Absolutely. Thanks, Gil. Hopefully we can have Thank you so much, much, man. Yeah, Thank let's you. do it again. Yeah. All right. All right, Zach. We can um, talk some more about this. So, um, I just wanted to get all of his thoughts while he was, while he was there with us. What, for sure. What have you been thinking about here? So, so I really... I really like the idea, two things that came up while he was talking. I really like the idea of um, we, we make language, than it, language harder than it has to be, right? We create the barrier. Um, if, you, if you take a look at our culture, you know, American culture, uh, language is a huge barrier, right? How often do we hear learn our language, right? Uh, and we don't even try. I mean, there's, there is a literal divide of I'm just not going to communicate with you at all if you won't mm -hmm. communicate with me in the way that I want you to. And I think we see a lot of breakdown in community and society when we take that stance, um, because then it goes far beyond language. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it, it seeps into music, right? Well, if you're not, well, if you're going to play country, well, that's not the language I communicate in. So I hate country. I'm not going to listen to this and hear what you have to say, right? Mm -hmm. uh, where you take the same song, put it in a different genre speaks you know so so we we let that seep into all the the areas of our life but we take that stance of if you don't do it the way that i do it or i prefer that you do it i'm not going to listen you don't have anything of, of worth or value to me um and so that that was kind of the first thing that that came up uh yeah 
when he when he when he was talking about just our willingness to communicate with one another. Yeah, and that's what that that never I've I've been preaching about this a lot as I go to different churches. This particular scripture um, for for a couple of years now because of some stuff I want to talk about here in a minute. Um, but that's something I just noticed now talking to Gil. I mean, there's something about, and this really has nothing to do with anything except for it's a really good observation, I think, is that is like when, so when we have someone, right, that came from another country that speaks another language, and I read this story with them in mind, um, specifically Gil in mind, it completely, like, I noticed stuff about the story that I didn't notice before. And, you know, many theologians say that you're supposed to read the Bible. The Bible is meant to be read in community. And um, I would say in a diverse, in a diverse community um, and in our church, uh, we meet in bars and we, you know, have atheists and agnostics and Buddhists and different people with different um, belief systems and reading the Bible with them in mind and with them present completely. I noticed stuff about these stories that I've never noticed before. I've heard some of these stories. I mean, literally hundreds, if not thousands of times, you know. Right, right. And that I, I do the same thing when I read something like this that I've heard preached on a ton. Uh, and I always think back to, well, how have I heard this preached? How would I preach it? How are those the same and how are they different? And this is one of those that when I, when I read through it, when I talk about it, when I hear, you know, I always go to, I'm never, ever going to preach it the way I've always heard it be, being preached because I, I think there's so much more. It's been used in such a harmful way of, of, well, if you don't speak my language, you know, God divides us and you go over here and we're over here and, you know, you got to talk God's language or no language at all. And, uh, you know, just that, that very divisive preaching that and theology that sometimes surrounds this, uh, and then just reading into it, the well, we're better because now we speak God's language and all of these others, right? That's that's not what's going on here. <laughs> um, you know, we're still for for me when I look at it, we're still early Genesis, and the Hebrew people, man, they're just trying to figure out why they're there and how they got there and why why this tribe over here speaks the way that they do. Um, and and then you throw in what Gil said about language and how we communicate. And it's less about, for me, it's less about the spreading out and confusing of people and more about, hey, here's who we are, here's who they are, now how do we communicate? How do we bring yeah. those pieces back together? And, and, the, and the whole, from here until Acts 2 is a process of, in a lot of ways of trying to bring people back together. Absolutely, right? right? Yeah. Which, which without the scattering, um, you, don't, you don't have that lesson. But, but to me, and what I want to kind of get into here is that, um, that this isn't just an arbitrary scattering so that God can teach us a lesson, which I've been, I've been taught a lot of stuff about this that um, doesn't really um, work for me anymore. And so that's why mm -hmm. it's been really important to me to, to preach about it because um, usually, right, when we hear this scripture, the lesson is either, um, let's see, um, God, God confuses their language. So we, you know, communication, we have to communicate better, you know, is a good lesson. Um, and, and that they try to get to God themselves instead of depending on God. Right. Um, God was mad at them because they tried to do it themselves. And so we should just trust God and do less. And I, man, <laughs> yeah. that doesn't work for me. Like it Dude, just doesn't yeah. work for me. And so 
like what happened was I was reading this in, in, um, in, in church um, at, at a bar and we were going through Genesis up in Los Alamos because there's a lot of scientific community there. And I thought, oh, this would be cool to read Genesis with scientists, um, which man it was. It like bl blows my mind some of the stuff that, that uh, I learned from them. Um, and so as we're reading, like there's something that happens when you actually read like through like the whole story. Because this, like when I preach or I use the lectionary or whatever, like I'll just take the scripture and then I'll exegete that scripture. But um, Len Sweet tells us to exegete the story instead of the words, right? And so when you exegete the story, you got to know what the story is. But the story, this is chapter 11 of the story, right? That's being told here. And so we, we're starting in the middle of the story. But when you start at the beginning and you read through it, the, what I noticed and what I figured out is that just a chapter or two before this was with Noah and the Noah's Ark story. And a big part of the Noah's Ark story that we don't usually talk about, yeah, we talk about the two by two of the animals and the big boat and the flood and the rainbow. But what we don't usually talk about is um, God told Noah and Noah's family and Noah's people, like, I'm going to use you to populate the whole earth. And so y'all need to scatter. You know, y'all need to... to go to all these other places and you need to like take some teams and go and write like that was part of the covenant the story about the rainbow the covenant always goes two ways so when we talk about god's promises these are, these are covenant right and they're in any good jewish person will tell you there's there's right there's a there's, there's two, two there's sides. a back and forth right yeah exactly like there's a price and so they the price of the rainbow and the promise that God made isn't a unilateral promise. And none of these promises are unilateral because we have responsibility in it, which is good news. That means that we participate in the kingdom of God, right? Mm -hmm. um, but like the, the command and, and what they were supposed to do is they were supposed to be fruitful and multiply and populate the earth now that there's no more people on it because God wiped them all out with the flood. And so God put the promise, I will never flood the earth again. I won't wipe everyone out again in this way. And so I'm gonna put this sign in the, in the clouds, right? Which, which also answers the question, why is there a rainbow? Like, why does that happen? And so this story is beautiful in a lot of ways, but they, what they were supposed to do was get, like that was their part of the deal. Like God's not gonna flood the earth again, but they need to now repopulate the earth, which means they need to get going and go, go and, and spread out you know, mm -hmm. and that was the command that God told them. And so when, when you know that and you read that in just a chapter or two before this, I think two chapters, chapter nine, um, now when, when you read chapter 11, it says, now the whole earth had one language in the same words. And as they migrated from the east, they came upon a plain, the land of Shinar and settled there. And so they're settled now, now they're supposed to scatter. So verse three, to anybody that is hearing these stories for the first time or, or the 30th time, but they hear them in order, um, verse three is going to stick out to them. Then they said to one another, come, let us make bricks and burn them thoroughly. And they had brick for stone. So they're inventing stuff, which is mm -hmm. awesome. And then they said, come, let us build ourselves a city in a tower with the top in its heavens and let us make a name for ourselves. Otherwise, we shall be scattered abroad upon the face of the whole earth so this this line in the story is there to like alert everyone right like mm -hmm. um 
they're doing the exact opposite of what God just told them to do. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, you know, and, and that, makes a, that makes a ton of sense because we, we, we like to compartmentalize things, right? Like here's Noah's story and then here's the Tower of Babel for like, you know, nine verses and then we move on, right? Well, right. well no, these all are interconnected and they intersect with one another and they tell the fullness of the story of the Hebrew people. Um, and yet, like everything else, we like to cherry pick things or compartmentalize it and say, okay, here's this nice little cute Bible story uh, for Sunday school. And uh, my, my favorite example of that, since you talked about Noah, uh, is exactly Noah. We stop at the yeah. rainbow, man. Uh, <laughs> we don't like to talk about Noah getting off the boat, uh, getting drunk, getting naked, embarrassing his family and, and cursing uh -huh. them, you know, uh, because his kids had the audacity to cover him up. Um, but that's that's the thing about this. When you leave that part of the story out, you miss the connection in this story, right? Because it's, well, that story ends there, and then this one picks up here, uh, and, and you lose that intersection. Well, and even at the beginning of the Noah story, the same story that we take out of context in the beginning of that story, like the angels, angels are coming down and having sex with humans, and these big giants called the Nephilim are being born, right? right. And so so like you have this like messed up like creation right like like it's not oh the people are bad and that's the story i always heard growing up the people were right. bad so God punished them because because that made me scared like to be bad right mm -hmm. and, and and it's a way the church uses to control people right in the way they tell their stories but it's not explicit anymore but when you when that story is passed down from mm -hmm. generation to generation in the church um you, you're gonna get some of that and yeah. and I mean, it definitely was there when I was a kid, and um, and and so it's it's this thing like well be be scared, but really that's not why God flooded the earth. Like God's not like that vengeful. Like all oh, these people are bad. There's no hope. I'm just gonna wipe them out. Mm -hmm. You know that's not and that's the story we tell. That's not the story that's in the Bible. Right. You know, like creation is being like messed up. Like things are not going the way they were supposed to go. And there's mm -hmm. giants on the earth and angels and people are hooking up and you know so so we leave all these parts of, I mean of course we're not going to tell that story in vacation bible school that part of the story but it's important Why not? That, I, I think we'd have more people <laughs> in vacation bible school <laughs> that's true maybe we should start man we should start our own vacation let me all in <laughs> <laughs> but I I mean it's you know it's appropriate right to tell certain stories right. to people but um, we have to at least somehow tell the real story at some point. People need to hear what really happened because I had this idea in my head for I mean, 20, 30 years that God was, was just that kind of a God that just wipes people out because they're bad and we don't even know what's bad about them. The story doesn't mm -hmm. say what's bad about them. But now the other, the other part of that makes a lot more sense. Mm -hmm. And there, AFI sings a song called The Nephilim and I looked it up and that's how I found all that. <laughs> that's how nice. I found all that like in my 30s. Like, because of an AFI song, never heard it in church before. <laughs> but I think that's a, those are really good points. I mean, just with this same one story, man, we, we, we miss a lot of those things. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And so I, I think that like, instead of the, the whole, the sin of these people being pride or them wanting to do things themselves, I think a big part of it is they didn't want to be separated. Mm -hmm. Right. And like what Gil was talking about, that they didn't want, they didn't want to deal with diversity and they right. didn't want to 
right? They didn't, they didn't want to be alone. You know, they didn't want to um, take the risks of, you know, going to another place where they could get eaten by a bear or, you know, whatever, whatever is going on. It was dangerous. Um, so they were afraid. So that was part of their, yeah. right. Um, well, it, it continues to be a struggle throughout the, throughout the Old Testament, throughout the Hebrew Bible of trying to get to this place and stay there yet grow, <laughs> you know? Um, exactly. And it, and it, and it's a struggle now. Oh, for you know? sure. Yeah. Um, still like we never grown out of it. I mean, that's why they were like, we want a king and God's like, no, like, <laughs> you don't want a king. No, you really like, don't. No, everyone else has a king. And he's like, no, I was like, no, no, you really yeah. don't want that. And they're like, yeah, we do. And God's like, okay. And so they got a king. So then they built, right. They built the temple. Then the temple got destroyed and they're like, well, what do we do? We don't have a temple now. Um, or, you know, we have church and then like we have this disease or, or this right. sickness comes and, and now we can't go to the temple. And so how do we do church? And it's the same, the same thing is happening in 2020 as what happened in this story. Mm -hmm. um, and we haven't learned a lot. I mean, we have, but we haven't at the same time. You know? Yeah, that's right. We, we've learned a lot, but we've not uh, paid attention. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> we're like oh that was then um it's not gonna happen now and you're right that's a that's a perfect example of of here we are today um looking at the very same things of um we built all of these things and now we have this opportunity to scatter and we're freaking terrified to go and scatter right we don't want to uh for whatever reason whether it's fear or insecurity or or um I don't know, whatever it is, right? But whatever you word, word you want there um, that holds us back. Probably, yeah, a lot of things. I mean, even, and so like, I'm totally guilty of this because like I always would joke, well, you know, the two things that are never going to shut down are funeral homes and bars. You know? Right. We have church in a bar. But I know this will never happen. So right. ironically, um, I'm not saying this is all my fault, but ironically, <laughs> Like it happened, both funeral homes and bars, right? Like, yeah. um, I was so wrong. And I also didn't think text messaging would take off with, back in the early <laughs> Dude, I didn't either. I said that I'm not going to learn how to text. <laughs> I was like, man, this is like the telegraph. Like, this is no, this is never going to catch up. So I'm obviously not good at um, predicting these things. So don't listen to me if I kind of been on horses or something. But um, I, I think that, that the really important thing here is to, is to, just realize that we have to adapt and we have to spread out and we have to scatter. Mm -hmm. I mean, such an important part of our, our whole, the whole Bible is based on expansion, you know, mm -hmm. expansion of ourselves and expansion of our, of our people. And so we, you know, started doing these podcasts and these videos and these conversations um, to, to, to do things different and to, to interact with a larger group of people than who's going to meet in a bar in Albuquerque or Los mm -hmm. Alamos. Yeah, and and I I really really love the thread that Gil pulled on of of diversity, that here here's our chance to own that, and to really live into a God given diversity, right? That we aren't to be the same, we aren't to do this things the same way or speak the same language or whatever, but uh, to embrace that and communicate in the ways that we uh, know how to, and if you look at a really, really just deep human level, uh, 
and I may be wrong, but outside of speaking and language, you know, love the way, the way that we love people, uh, knows no language, right? We, we can communicate with love and compassion and empathy without words. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And that, that's another thing, music, you know, mm-hmm. love, like there's, there's things that are, that are spiritual, right? Um, at their best. And, um, and that, that makes all the difference in the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and I think uh, that kind of leads me to, there's one, one more like really beautiful observation that, that I had about this, which was, um, which has to do with this diversity, I think. But I mean, verse five, it says, the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the mortals had built. And the Lord said, look, they're one people, they have one language. This is only the beginning of what they will do. Nothing they will propose will be impossible for them. And so, so, so God is trying to make things more difficult for them, but um, also teaching them, right, to be, to, to work together when they're, when they're different. Uh-huh. And, and, and um, God knew the people well enough to know, but I love God coming down to look at what they did. Like, it reminds yeah. me of like, me bringing a picture home and my mom putting it on the refrigerator, you know? Like, like, I feel like there's some pride here. Like God's right. proud of the people, but um, there's, there's no, there's, first of all, they're not going to listen to what God needs them to do because they don't have to. So, mm-hmm. so, so God has to make it to where they have to get, they have to figure some of these things out to kind of grow and to kind of learn. So it, it's a teaching mechanism, but it's also, um, it, it makes them have to, have to do the thing because if they just all stay there man we have this whole empty earth according to the story right mm-hmm. like said, like we don't know we're not saying this is exactly how it happened how things happened but right. according to the story god needs them to do this thing and they're not gonna do it right yeah you know i i bet i've heard this preached more with God coming down, hands on the hips, going, what the heck are you doing? You know, what have you done? Uh, <laughs> it's like, you know, just the, the angry dad God, right? Uh, okay. But I love the imagery of God coming down and being like, what'd you do? Yeah, show me, you know, what'd you learn at school today? <laughs> you know, and let's, let's hang this on the refrigerator for a minute, but let's have a conversation about why we got to go the next step. <laughs> Right. And, and why, why is this a problem? You know, I, right. when I was, um, when I was in first grade, I used to ride the bus and the fifth graders, uh, I learned a lot from the fifth graders <laughs> when I was in first, first grade. And, um, they, when, when, one day they drew on my hand, they drew, um, buttons and they said push on the tops of my hands and, um, on the inside of my hand, they wrote on one hand, I love you. And they wrote on one hand, um, F you, <laughs> but they wrote, <laughs> and I didn't know what that meant. I didn't know. So I went around like school all day and I was showing having people push a button and then I would show them. And, you know, some of the, some of the kids with older siblings would be like, you know, I would show a guy and then it would say, I love you. They're like, Oh, that's gay or whatever. And I'm like, I don't, I don't even know. What <laughs> I don't know what that means. I'm the oldest. I'm the oldest child. Fifth graders did not explain that to me until months later. <laughs> and, but or, or I would show them the other one, and they're like, "That's a bad word." And the whole idea of bad words was um, very foreign to me because I didn't know I didn't know what a bad word was. Um, 
I, I thought words were words and you, and 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 honestly that that stuck with me to this day I have a hard time understanding what makes a word bad um Chris Rock has some good stuff to say about that but anyway um when I go home that day I went and stood in line to my teacher and luckily she picked the right hand um but I went home and showed my mom and she did not pick the right hand and she was like, oh, and, I, and so, I mean, this is kind of how that story, I, I, mm -hmm. I see the story is she, she knew, obviously I didn't know, right, what it meant. I really, I didn't know it was bad or I would not have showed my mom. I mean, I'm smarter, right. even at six years old, I was smarter than that. If I knew something was bad, I wasn't gonna show her. So right. she knew I wasn't doing it on purpose, but she also had to correct me, you know, in a way that, um, the, the the best that she could right mm -hmm. and so I feel like that and maybe it's because of experiences like that with my mother that um that I see God in this way mm -hmm. but um you know what she told me was well you know do you know what this means and I was like well no and she's like well don't use words that you don't know what they mean you know mm -hmm. so I was like okay you know that makes sense. And then I thought, okay, that's why people thought it was a bad word because they don't know what it means. They They're don't know what it means. <laughs> and so I went <laughs> the next day on the bus, I asked the fifth graders what it meant. And then they, they told me, I don't remember what they told me. They told me something that satisfied me at the time. Right. And so then I felt like I could use it. You know, I was very empowered. And mm -hmm. so I have had a filthy mouth since the, since the first grade. <laughs> but, but that's just how I see God in this story is like, is like, not telling them, oh, you can't do this, or this is wrong, but telling them, hey, I'm going to confuse your languages, so now you're going to have to learn something about this, mm -hmm. you know, and, and that's really the way my mom tried to approach it. Um, I heard things differently than how she meant them, obviously, at mm -hmm. six, but, um, <laughs> but it worked, right? <laughs> yeah, it worked for me. <laughs> yeah. I felt very empowered to use all these words, and then I was like, are there other words like this? And there are <laughs> told me all of them and and so um I, I had a, a lot of vocabulary lesson early on but like I, I just love that I, I love to think of God in that way and I don't know if that's the way it's presented in the Jewish culture or or whatever but I man you know the Lord came down to see the city in the tower like came down to see it to me though like that that that's a different feeling of than oh man I got to come stop these guys right you know? right yeah, I think that's something that verse five, um, yeah, the Lord came down to see the city and the tower that the the humans had built uh, is without that, this is a completely different story, right? Um, this is kind of angry God with a magnifying glass burning ants uh, yeah. type of a story. But you, you have that single line in there uh, right under the accomplishment, right? We, we're going to make bricks and we're going to bake them hard. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what bricks are, right? <laughs> uh, we, we, I, to me, I don't need to know that you baked them hard, but you worked hard on this, I guess. Right. Um, well, they invent instead of making it out of clay, right? Like they, right. they invented bricks in the right. story, which is awesome. Yeah, it's a big deal. Uh, and then you, then you, you have that follow up of God comes down to look, to see, yeah. to be with them, uh, and then they have the rest of this play out. I think that's. Yeah, you have two completely different stories and understandings of who who God is without that verse five. Yeah, yeah, totally. And and it's it's a very much in communion with them, you know. Yeah. And, and 
and there's got to be something about that, right? God tells them this, and they interpret it in a way that suits them, right? To, mm -hmm. to build power and do what they makes them comfortable. And then God confuses their language, but they're already speaking a different language, you know, than God in a way. So then God makes us have to speak different languages, and we have to start understanding each other in a different way. And then we're all scattered. Everyone gets scattered. God says, oh, you know, I'll do this myself because um, I need y'all to do, like, this is important. I need y'all to do it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it makes, all of this makes this story, like, so much more redeeming, so much more, like, helpful when I try to think about people that are different from me, whether it's their language or their, you mm -hmm. know, culture some other way. Um, do you have experiences, like, um, we can kind of wrap this up with this idea, I think. Um, do you have experiences where you have um, dealt with people that are different from you or learned something from people that are different from you? I pointed out, like, reading the Bible with people that believe different things and how that enlightens mm -hmm. But are there, are there other ways that you have experienced this, how diversity has kind of helped shape who you are, maybe? Absolutely. Um, so we've we've moved like six times in 10 years and that's one, two, three, four states now uh, in the last 10 years. And all of them very, very different from Texas, New Mexico, Montana to, to Wyoming. Um, and being able to go and sit down with people in those areas, right? Uh, being from off, however far off we were from, uh, gave us a really um a really good experience one to look deep down within us and our own experience and what we've learned um learn from the people around us and how how those intersect and and even to be like how do we see this differently now that we've met these people who've had these experiences um or not grown up in the south or in the desert you know or up in the mountains um because people are pretty similar throughout but their experiences of what makes them different and how they view the world and one another and God and whatever. Um, and so that's probably been the greatest gift we've not only given ourselves, uh, but our children is to move around and experience different cultures and different people. Uh, growing up in the Panhandle of Texas, very steeped in uh, just kind of the Hispanic culture of the area and have carried a lot of that that with me um, and a lot of what we learned and we're steeped in uh, culture in New Mexico and Southern New Mexico because it's it's a much different culture than what I grew up in uh, being a white dude. Uh, there's not a lot of culture, not a lot of vibrant culture there, right? Um, but what I learned from my friends who uh, who had roots in New Mexico and roots into their heritage in that way um, helped inform some of my perspective of people of um, biblical people shoot what they do in the Bible and why they do it. You know, it's, it's helped me understand a whole lot of things. And then when I move uh, to different places that have different diversities and, and uh, just different uh, context, it's really been helpful for me. Yeah, that, no, that's really good. And that, that, it makes me think, it makes me think about, um, that I think we can do more with diversity. I think that diversity makes us more powerful, can make us more powerful, can make us be able to accomplish more because we have different perspectives that, um, that work together. Uh, but at, at first glance, um, diversity is, is problematic. You know, it's, dif it's difficult, it's different. 
you know, somebody is different from me, my first reaction isn't awesome. I mean, maybe it's more like that now, but I mean, I'm still working on that. You know, my, my first reaction sometimes is, man, I just want this to be easy and smooth, you know? Yeah. And so let's, let's just make this smooth. You know, when somebody, you know, somebody comes up at a show, you know, or whatever and is drunk and it's like, oh man, like, I don't want to deal with this. But then sometimes some of the greatest things kind of happen from those stories. Right. And um, that's not exactly a diversity issue, but it kind of is. Yeah. Well, that, that was one thing that I experienced in seminary. I'm, I'm sure you did too, of, you know, half of us are Methodist and kind of on the same page for the most part. And then the other half were this scattering of people and theologies and understandings. And part of me was like, I just want this to be easy. I want to get it done and get out of here. And the other okay. part of me was like, but I want to hear what they have to say. <laughs> and learn from them and get their perspective on these things uh yeah and it's hard work i i think that's why we resist it so much is because it's hard work yeah yeah exactly i think you're exactly right and there's and there's a lot to be learned from that my seminary experience was even even more we had people of different denominations but like you know i, I came from new mexico and west texas and this was you know in the in the 90s um when things were a lot different from how they are now but i um, you know, there was rumors in, in high school and college about somebody being gay or something, but I never like knew someone that I knew was gay or, um, that, that told me, or that even that owned it. Right. Okay. Especially in Texas, um, high school and college, I was in tech in West Texas. And that's yeah. just not something people were advertising about themselves. Right. And um, I, so I didn't, I really thought of it in a certain way, not just because I was taught certain things in church, which I was, but I also just had no experience whatsoever. And I moved to Atlanta from Abilene, Texas to Atlanta, Georgia, and I went to seminary and there was, you know, there was gay people in my seminary. Um, there was black people in my seminary that I hadn't had a lot of exposure to and black theology and different things. Um, feminist theology there's feminists there was there was people that you know women that didn't shave their legs and you know stuff and I was like I was, it was really weird to me like it was you know it was um it was just something I hadn't experienced but what what I did was instead of like I had a, I had a part of me that was like freaked out about it especially initially because it was just new experiences and and I wasn't brought up um, hateful or anything, but I didn't know how much my experience had shaped me in ways that I really was. Um, I really did think about men and women in certain ways and, and straight people and gay people in certain ways and black and white people in certain ways. And I didn't realize it until I was around them. And in fact, I was the minority in certain situations for the first time. Um, and, and I learned like so much because um, my my new black friends and my new gay friends and my new feminist friends were very patient with me and um, I tried to be very humble but I asked really dumb questions and I asked really offensive uh, like I remember asking things that now I'm horrified that I said or asked or assumed right. or whatever but they just let me ask dumb questions and they let me be ignorant and they let me um, because I was, I was ignorant of those things, you know, it doesn't make me a bad person. It didn't make me, you know, but, but I think our ability to learn when we're around somebody different from us, even in ways that 
they're not just different now it's a threat mm-hmm. you know it, it was threatening to me in my theology because i believed certain things and i was taught certain things and they were very easy for me to believe so this made me very uncomfortable mm-hmm. um, but, they, but they helped me to see race differently they helped me to mm-hmm. see you know gender differently they helped me to see you know sexuality differently and now it's a it's a whole there, there's a like a lot more that's mm-hmm. happened but man, my seminary experience taught me a lot more than just about the Bible. Right, right. And, and we, we spent so much time on embedded theology, right? In taking a story just like this on the Tower of Babel and all of the things that we've ever been preached about uh, or heard about, and it's, you know, this angry God and had to do these things and had to do this. And then you take that with you and you meet somebody who's different and you're like, oh, well, this is what God was talking about. So we got to separate things, right? Um, and it's, and, and we go and we meet different people and we live in these diversities and we embrace it and learn rather than resist, it gives us the opportunity to go, oh, I didn't know how much that affected me. I didn't know how much that, that really taught me poorly, you know, in a lot of cases about other people and about, mm-hmm. you know, this or, you know, and, and that was something uh, in, in seminary we harped and dug into a lot Uh, all three years, but especially that first year of try to lose everything you have and then rebuild it. You know, let's break everything down, keep the things that are good, lay that foundation and build back on top of it rather than coming in with all of these buildings and walls and foundations that have been built that may or may not be good and then just build more on top of it, right? Uh, and that internal struggle of, God, what do I do with this now? Now that I've met these people and I'm friends with these people and I've learned these things, what do I do with the whole first half of my life that I learned all this other stuff, right? Um, but I think that's what diversity does for us and being able to own that and live in it and, and be comfortable with being uncomfortable, with being mm-hmm. pushed and challenged. Uh, it broadens our understanding of who people are yeah uh, that's really good and so how do we my my last my last question we can wrap this up with this idea um how do we as as pastors um so so we had this experience in seminary i've asked this ever since seminary because a lot of times in seminary they would say well you aren't going to want to tell your congregations this but right but yeah. i'm like well, why not because this is really making a difference in me and my theology but i have this like base like this huge baseline that seminary has given me that a lot of people don't have access to unless they are going to really immerse themselves in this information and it was super challenging but so how do we help people have these experiences without going to seminary to have to have these experiences like how do we help people like um come to these ideas you know, with us as we're changing and growing, how do we bring people along with us in our churches that might not be there yet? Like, I mean, I was dropped in the, like, I always think of John Wayne in that movie, man, I forget what, what the movie's called, but he, the he, little kid is five years old and he's like, how old are you? And he's like five. He's like, you don't know how to swim? He's like, no, sir. And he just throws them in the water. Throws them know? in the water, right? <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, that's how I felt like being like, you know, a, a white, guy white straight male from texas come in <laughs> to seminary i felt like john wayne just threw me in the water which right. was the best thing for me but um how do we help people in our churches do that i think it's all uh we'll come full circle it's all in the way we communicate right uh it's all in the languages that we use and and knowing that there's not one 
there's not one language. I mean, we, we get it here in Genesis 11. There's not one. There's, there's a lot. And uh, I think it's all in the way that we are creative and humbled and willing to use the multitude of languages um, that are here, um, whether we are fluent in them or not, whether it's preaching or music or just listening, you know, if it's conversations, if it's podcast, whatever, um, using the full range of language and communication that we have um, for the people that are in front of us um, in, in knowing that, hey, this group over here is going to need music. And this group over here, they're going to need a beer and a conversation. And this group over here is going to need me to stand up and preach, you know, um, and, and open the door that way so that the conversation continues, maybe not with you, but around those tables and in those circles and with the people that they have. So they begin to bring in the diversity in their lives to go, oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> I see that now, you know, or this is what I've experienced. Come, come with me. Yeah, and exposure. Yeah, I guess yeah. exposure to, and so like I think about this story, and I think about like when this story in like Acts two, you have you have the bringing, like the the sending people out, the scattering of people, right? And then you have the bringing them back together, and and I feel like it's a very much. I mean, you know, the the Israelite exile um, is what I've based my church off of, and. Um, you know the people being scattered exiled to another place and then how do we how do we do this now like how do we have this community of faith now and and i feel like it's a series right of being scattered then pulled back together scatter to go get diversity i mean jesus does it with the apostles right he sends them out you know and then they come back and then they want to talk about it but then they end up having to feed a bunch of people and like and they're tired and all those things so um, I mean, that's just the re like that cycle of going out and coming back and we use it in, in communion, right? Um, when, when we, when we say the when we consecrate the elements, we say, Lord, send us out from here and bring us until you bring us back together. I don't, I forget, I say it different <laughs> than, but in the hymnal, it's something like that. Send us out until we come back together again and, and, and those kind of things. And, um, that idea is even in our communion liturgy our Eucharist liturgy um, of, of sending us out and then bringing us back and sending us out and bringing us back. And I think the more diverse, you know, the more diverse experiences we can have and, and give people the confidence, you know, to go and have these diverse experiences. I think that it starts with us as an example, you know, and in, in Texas, I went to a bridge, a bridge club, you know, and I didn't know how to play bridge. And so, my partner really hated me because they like I and and then and then I'm pretty sure some of them were cheating and <laughs> I'm not sure what all was going on. Uh -huh. But I some people cheating. Like it was it was pretty terrible experience um for me, but I didn't get invited back. But I had the courage right to go to where right. they were. And that's you know, I, I think that that some of that starts with us to go places that we're not comfortable with. And, mm. and yeah. And, and I think I and I'll, I'll just I'll stop talking talking after this, but I want to say it because talking about the going in and coming out, uh, I I got the got the I don't know the visual that came up for me was was waves right waves coming in from an ocean, uh, hitting the beach and bringing sand back out with them right or whatever is on the beach sucks it back into the ocean, and that's oh. 
you know, that's what Jesus does. That's what God does. Sends us out, brings us back in. And what did you bring back with you? Right. What did you learn? What did you experience? Um, and just that over and over again, out, grab whatever's on the beach, come back in. What, what'd you find? What'd you, what'd you experience? What'd you bring in? Dude, that's good. And that's sometimes really you bring back sand. Sometimes you bring back crabs. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I took a really beautiful thing and ruined it. Uh, <laughs> no, but that's, I, and I think that what this story teaches me and what a lot of stories in the Bible teach me about this, and this is obviously an important theme because it keeps coming up, um, is that we can either do this. This is what we're supposed to do, I think. Um, as human beings, as Christians, as, um, as creations of, of God, um, to, to go and to do this. And we can either do it on our own or it's going to happen to us. And then what are we going to, and um, the, the coronavirus and the, like all of the things that are happening is, is evidence that, that we cannot predict what's going to happen. And we're going to be scattered out, you know, whether we like it or not. So we might as well do it ourselves and get used to it or it's going to happen to us. And then we're going to be coming back together. And that's yeah. inevitable too. And sometimes we don't want to do that part of it either, you know, right. and so the more we can get in sync on purpose with God. Um, yeah. and, and this, this, um, cycle, you know, um, uh, the, the, the more comfortable and the, the better we'll be because we can get comfortable in the chaos and then we can be more effective, I think mm -hmm. uh, in those ways. And that's, yeah. That's my final idea. <laughs> I like that. I like that. So, so thank you guys all for joining us, everyone that's joined us. And uh, thanks, Gil, again, for being here with us. Um, Zach has a great podcast called the Bearded Theologians Podcast. Um, we'll have links to Gil's churches, links to Zach's um, podcast and church, and um, links to my stuff um, attached to this video and, and audio. You can check us out on all the podcast things, YouTube, Facebook. Um, exile.com will have this up on everything so thank y'all for joining us and thank you Zach as always man this was really good yeah had fun thanks Todd and I can't wait to get on the road again on the road again going places that I've never been seeing things that I may never see again I can't wait to get on the road again on the road again Like a band of gypsies We go down the highway We're the best of friends Insisting that the world Keep turning our way And our way Is on the road again I just can't wait To get on the road again The life I love Is making music with my friends I can't wait to get on the road again